And this is the Rocker Recovery, and this is Angie Meadows. And this is Will. And today we are in Rocker Recovery Relationship Addiction. And if you want to listen to this again, it's on our podcast, Rocker Recovery, on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. And you can also get the book on AmazonBooks.com. So today is Lesson 11. It's called The Chase of the Fantasy. And we're going to see what these dysfunctional, addictive relationship patterns look like. Go ahead. A wounded inner core develops fantasy thinking to escape reality and ends in disgrace. Hmm. So if I indulge this, then it becomes obsessive. And everything I think that I need is in this person in front of me. But I don't even know that person yet, Will. I've just kind of got this little fantasy of what I think I want in a person. And so now the person that's in front of me that I don't even know has a vibrational connection with me because of the work I've already done with my little fantasy and they become my fantasy god and I make them my new deliverer so they just they distract me from my emotional pain inside from the rejection of past lovers what else does that sound like what else do addicts use to distract themselves (laughs) they use substances (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they get overwhelmed with their emotional pain, they're going to go to substance use disorder. So we see that relationship addictions, when they do not meet that inner need, do end up in severe um, responses of substance use disorder. For a moment, they feel the void of abandonment and neglect through your imagination yeah so for a moment when you start a new relationship there's going to be this little fantasy moment so night after night you feel the presence in your imagination in your mind you are obsessed and just need to conquer this obsession so and play it out so it will manifest or resolve so we've talked about this with limerence well we've talked about what limerence is how that's the obsessing and you really you either have to totally cut it off get out of the way, confess it to someone, discharge it some other way, or you're going to end up playing this out if you're obsessing over another person. But this kind of passion is tricky. It tricks you to the very core and makes you do things that you wouldn't be unthinkable. Yeah, so we're we're all of a sudden, um, it's kind of like a little disassociation that we talked about the other day where we split off from ourselves and we become a a different person a more confident person because in that fantasy we're very confident we can control everything you can do it all to fulfill a fantasy it won't matter the other person cannot be held any better than you can hold the wind it isn't real it's just a fantasy obsession yeah so one of my kiddos was uh dating someone she was like mm, 17 18 and the parent of the person calls me and says uh you know this isn't love this is just his latest obsession he doesn't know how to love he just obsesses he goes from one girl to the next to the next obsessing and this will burn itself out soon and and it was very enlightening to understand what i was dealing with because in front of me it looked really real it looked like this young man really loved the person that he was involved with um but this intense affection and affirmation and attention was not love it was an obsession have you done this before no matter how much you serve 
how much you love, care, dote, prepare, desire, dream, they aren't emotionally there. It's your imagination, silly. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> All right, I have a really good imagination. They are just they are just human and maybe even a foolish, avoidant, or controlling person without any skills to love you back. So recognize this pattern of obsession as toxic replay. So here's the lesson. Wounded ones divided are willing to accept a partial plate. So if you have a wounded inner core, you're gonna be willing to go too fast, accept a part of what you want, and not really understand whether or not it's um, uh, something that's gonna be compatible or good for you. So number one. Forgive yourself. Yeah, so I think recognizing that I've got these patterns that I end up going from one toxic relationship to the other is uh, key. To understanding how to break this cycle so the first thing to do is to forgive myself of this number two recommit to protect yourself okay so you're going to have to get some accountability partners you're going to have to go slow you're going to have to stay real and honest with a few really good trusted friends number three rededicate yourself to your future goals so if you don't have goals it's going to be difficult to know which direction you're going number four save yourself for a strong partner who is available to love you number five Force yourself to slow with new relationships. Yeah, go slow. A dating match. So you want to you want to uh, match your intelligence, your social skills, your financial stability, physical and mental health, your spiritual zeal for the Lord, your mutual interest, and your energy level. Now you're not normally going to meet somebody with all seven of these levels uh, to match you, but you don't want to be strong in six of them and the other person is really super strong in one, but lacking in the other one, so you're gonna be very unbalanced. So you may wanna have a good, um, a person that's really close to your match in at least half of these areas. So intelligence, social skills, um, financial stability, physical and mental health, spiritual zeal, mutual interest, and energy level. Do not divide and devalue yourself and accept a partial plate. If you have done this, own your part in it and forgive yourself. Recommit to your values and look inside to heal your emotional self. If you develop a relationship with imbalance, it may still be satisfying but will need much more work and to willing, teachable partners. Yeah, so if you get in a relationship and the other person isn't willing to to um, learn, to grow, I mean, because whenever we get in relationships, we all need to grow, we all need to learn. But if we're not teachable, then you're, you're pretty much stuck and you're gonna be running around this person <laughs> your whole life trying to make get them to make some movement and they're not capable because they're not teachable. So you wanna be able to to gauge the um, level of teachableness, humility, gentleness, uh, commitment, to be, the ability to commit. So you want to be able to value yourself, look inside of yourself for that emotional healing. So what does it look like to have sexual obsession? Number one. Sexual fantasies as a teen or young adults without maturity and skills to stop obsessing will eventually end acting out the fantasy. So we want to develop the skills to stop our obsessing. And a lot of times if uh, there's youth that are 
immature and bored, left to themselves, there's, they're going to develop these obsessions and not have the maturity to stop them, to divert them, to say, no, this is silly, this is just fantasy. So sexual encounters can fall short of this fantasy and lead to deeper sexual perversions to satisfy. This always leads to future relationship discontent. So it's like the eyes of man are never satisfied in Proverbs 27, 20. Number two. Deep, deep sexual obsession develops in imaginary love, lover, in an imaginary lover. This lover is your friend, and you speak to them or imagine them as perfect. Everything that happens in the fantasy, what is said, what is done, how they, will, how they feel about you, how they validate you, their mood is all within your control. Ah, so there's the key. What we're doing is control. <laughs> so we're trying, we're developing, maybe there's parts of our life that's out of control. So in our fantasy, this is an element of control, a uh, control that we can't have in a real relationship. Keep going. Now when I develop an, an attempt to develop this relationship with the person that is the object of my obsession, there is a major control issue. Well, look at that. And at first, it doesn't feel like control. It feels like a lot of attention. Number three. Sexual players move quick. The player expects intimacy, trust, perfection right away. Soon they become addic addicted to the person, and quickly the relationship takes over their lives, thoughts, and time. This person loses their own identity quickly. The relationship can't sustain this level of excitement and heat. So the couple become emotionally entangled very quickly, and this leads to a lot of confusion. Insecure attachment styles like vacillation, which is a push-pull behaviors, is very common. Come here. No, 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 no. Go away. <laughs> I want you. No, 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 no. I don't want you. <laughs> this is very painful. It's, it's rough to start a relationship uh, too intense where there's not time to develop trust bonds. So without your own identity and the emotional health to allow the other person their own identity, you will engage another only to consume them. And when that person doesn't fulfill your fantasy, the relationship is over and you are deeply disappointed. So without insight, healing, and intentionality, you will just do it again. So I find a lot of people in recovery well that do pretty good. They, they've got their active recovery going, and if they get in a relationship, they get really distracted, and their focus shifts, and now they can't maintain sobriety. And I believe that it's, it's part of this fantasy. I believe that maybe there was some abnormalities of children where they, they were so there was such a lack of nurture that they ended up with a lot of fantasy. Because I can remember my mother telling me, uh, when you were five, I took you to the doctor to see what was wrong with you. <laughs> and the doctor just said you had a very strong imagination. So as an adult, I realized that when I'm really stressed, I go off into this little fantasy imaginary world that I went with to when I was five and stressed. So it became a habit. So every time they would give my husband a diagnosis of, you know, he's not going to get out of ICU this time. You know, nobody's ever lived longer than this with what he has. You know, I'm not sure why you're happy. He's not going to be here in a few days. Uh, every time they would do this, I would 
instead of, I mean, I could only grieve so long. I mean, this went on for decades, and I could only grieve so long, so I would find myself doing this escape thinking. So if there's a lot of escape thinking, if you're going off into fantasies, uh, it doesn't matter what kind, um, you know, just talking to yourself and make and living a, a, a different life in your head, it's because you're trying to control parts of your life because other parts of it is out of control. So start looking at what part is out of control and start working through that. So let's look about let's look at how to stop this obsessing. So tell me how to control obsessing and how to stop it. Take every thought captive, tear down str- strongholds. Mm-hmm. What's next? Meditate upon my word day and night. Okay, that's what the Lord says. Second Corinthians 10, uh, 4 and 5, to take the thoughts captive. Uh, there's several verses on meditation, and uh, particularly Psalms 1, to meditate, and then he promises success. What else do we need to do? Practice self-control. Okay, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Next. Stop the thought in three seconds. Renounce it. You know what I found, Will, is I've got three to five seconds to stop this thought or it's got to play itself out, especially if it's an obsessive thinking. And so whenever I'm traumatized and there's things going on that I can't control and it's hurt me, I will literally have this negative loop going. And I've got three to five seconds when that negative loop starts to stop it to start praying for my enemies, start praying for the person that hurt me, to start forgiving them, to renouncing it, to moving it. And after I've been in that kind of um, trauma response from something that's happened that's maybe been unjust or unfair or falsely accused, I will catch myself flipping into this little fantasy world to try to cope with it. So let's see what else the Lord tells us to do. Cry to God for help. Mm -hmm. Read the Word. Pray for help. So I not only have to read the Word and pray the Word, I have to learn to speak the Word over myself so that I'm not speaking my crazy thoughts. The last thing. Slow down. Journal. Well, look at that. When I journal, things come out that are troubling me that I didn't even know was there. And now I've got the skills. Now that they're out on paper and not inside of me, I've got the skills to move them and to release them to God. Now, Sometimes the thoughts are exaggerated, the words are exaggerated, so I journal beside a shredder. (laughs) That way I can say whatever I want, and then I can just say, okay, it's done, and I can shred it. Other days I'll keep it and reread it in a few days, and I'm like, wow, that was really toxic. (laughs) I, I don't even feel that way in three or four days. So if you've got a lot of exaggerated thinking, a lot of exaggerated emotions, one of the first things I want you to do is slow down and start journaling. So the confusion of it will stop when you are ready to refuse it and take dominion over your thought life. So what are the outcomes of relationship addiction? Feelings of defeat with a negative internal crisis. Critic? Yeah, we got a negative internal critic. Next. Self-destruction thinking, relapse or suicide. Mm, Man, I've seen this a, a half a dozen or more, probably a dozen times. Depression, confusion, loss. Yes. So you got to be able to set with it. If you're in uh, early recovery, just don't do relationships. It's not time yet. If you're later in recovery, even if you have developed some skills, you may lose them when you get in a relationship. And that's why I want you to start relationships very slowly. Next. Devastation and death of a long-term fantasy. Yeah, so this long-term fantasy of this 
uh, lover that you're going to have that's going to fulfill all your needs. Uh, once you get with this new person that you thought was going to be like that and they're not, there's a death of this fantasy. So I remember complaining to the Lord, saying, Lord, I, I don't understand all these troubles. I don't understand all this sickness and all this pain and all this confusion. <laughs> and the Lord said, okay, this is not Hollywood. This is real life, little girl. <laughs> and I had to be, I had to grow up. I had to say, okay, all right, what I am expecting is Hollywood. It's um, a fantasy. It's what they do in the movies. It's not real life. So next. Disappointment, despair, and disgrace. So yes, if I've got expectations really high based upon my little fantasy, my unreality reality, um, I'm going to be disappointed and, and in a lot of despair. Potential violence. If I can't have you, no one can. Wow. And, you know, I've heard this. I've heard this um, multiple times. I grew up with some of this. I grew up with, okay, uh, you're not leaving me. You're going to be right here under my thumb. And if you don't stay, then you're not going anywhere. So there's some development of emotional skills that we need to get so we can start growing out of some of this. So number one. Look for reasons. Losses, lack of nurturing validation painful circumstances domestic violence for sexual fantasy yeah so if there if you're having sexual fantasies if you're having obsessive thinking of any kind you need to look at the reasons that that's coming and start uh, correlating when the thought stops starts with what is going on that day and next Heal your inner wounds. You need to go to groups, support groups, uh, supportive friends, small groups, and start really working with some trusted people on those inner wounds so that you, you know, because we're hurt in community, but we're also healed in community. So you just got to find some safe places and some safe people. Next. Find other ways to meet unfulfilled needs. Yeah, you can do this by developing hobbies, getting out in nature, learning um learning a craft, learning to be able to pour into other people, to be able to enjoy children, to be able to enjoy your gardening, and things that you didn't know could satisfy. Next. Move the fantasy into healthier, creative passions. Yeah, amen. Yep, I was telling Will, I was showing him some of my quilts, and I was saying, now, I'm if I do a quilt, I'm going to cut it up into a thousand pieces and put it back together. <laughs> so I'm very creative, and that gives me a creative outlet. So let's see how to apply this to our life. Fantasy versus reality. Fantasy surely isn't reality. No, it's not. Because when I play the fantasy, in end, it ends in love. It doesn't end up in rejection and feeling abandoned and like I have certainly lost my mind. <laughs> Whenever you go around these cycles again and again and again thinking that, okay, I can I can go back and I can hook into that little fantasy at the beginning of this relationship and it's going to be good and it's going to end better this time and you just keep going around this cycle, you're going to feel like you lost your mind. So what does that fairy tale promise us? Number one. You're going to be known, seen, heard, held, validated valued with affirmation and affection yeah that's what that little fantasy is promising number two you will have a life partner that will understand you i don't think that that's possible number three <laughs> you will be the apple of their eye and the center of their attention and vice versa number four the two of you will be like the doves with a lifetime of cooing, cooing and preening and preening and you know doves make partners for life and uh you'll see you'll even see a pigeon sitting in a street crying over its mate that just got run over and you'll be like oh so unfortunately 
if you are immature, you're going to draw immaturity to you. So if you want a person that can love you in a healthy manner, you're going to have to step back and develop that relationship with them through a friendship over time where trust bond develops. Okay, so what's the next one? The heart-to-heart connection will be real. Yeah, that's what our fantasy tells us. And, you know, sometimes it can be intermittently, but it's difficult to stay there successfully unless you have a mature partner. Number six. The passions will be real and unending. The things you always look forward to. Number seven. They will always want to hold and kiss you. Number eight. True love will grow and the connection will be magnetic and unstoppable and will never end. Hmm. Number nine. Things will magically work out. Yeah, this is magical thinking. (laughs) This is the fairy tale. Oh, I could just ignore all those red flags. I can ignore all those problems because it's just going to be magic. It's just going to all work out in the end. And I want you to stop ignoring those red flags. I want you to start naming what really happens when your um, person that you're obsessing over you, that you're devoting your life to gets squeezed. Because when they get squeezed, if what comes out is gentleness and repentance and I'm sorry and I didn't mean to hurt you, you've got a safe person. You've got a lot of uh, ability to work here. If they're saying, let's go to counseling, let's get some help, I want to change, I want to get better, you got you got good stuff going on. But if they're saying, how dare you tell me that, how dare you talk to me like that, and 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 what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine and you're going to do what I tell you to do. You know, if it's ending in that abuse, call it what it is. Call it abuse and realize that that's who they are at their core and they're not likely to change. Okay, keep going, Will. There is no obsessing over another person that will end in fulfilling, lasting love. And I believe the reason it won't is because um, you've made them your God. You've made them your source. This feels so familiar, but it is a toxic attraction to be brokenness. Yeah, so there's some brokenness that we have as children. And if we didn't get the ability to bounce around as teenagers and have a safe place to come back to, to, to explore who we were and how what we would do and what we wouldn't do and what we liked and what we didn't like, if we didn't have that ability as teenagers, if we didn't have that safety, it's likely that this that we're going to be attracted to toxicity and to brokenness and trying to fix things that are unfixable in other people. Maybe they were unfixable in our parents or in our siblings, and we're going back and continuing trying to repeat these patterns. So starting relationships with obsessing limerence is likely to end poorly. You will more likely end up hating the person more than you ever loved them. Consider this story. Amnon, Amnon, King David's son. He was the half-brother of Tamar. Tamar and desired her. He plotted to get her alone. Then he forced himself on her and raped her. He, as soon as he had done this thing, his obsess, obsessive love for her turned to hate, and he despised her. His His complete rejection of her after he stole her innocence was more damaging to her than the forcible rape. Physical violation can be easier to recover from than an emotional violation. And you will find this story in 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 19. And it talks about um, how she cries at the end. And she says, but what you're doing to me now is worse than what you just did to me. Ask Father for you, and he will give me to you. I'm sure he will. 
And he didn't. Instead, he hated her. Uh, he said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door. So a lot of times when there's this intense, intense obsessing, um, it's not love. It's obsessing. And when we play it out, it's not love. It's hate. So Amnon's love for his half-sister was obviously not love but a form of obsessive limerence. It tormented him to the point of deception, lying, selfishness, and self-centered abuse of someone who was innocent. His obsession to satisfy his fantasy was stronger than his desire to protect and honor his half-sister. So it's very important that if you're obsessing over someone that you realize that this is not healthy that this is toxic, this is, may end up hurting you and hurting them. And maybe the thought of destroying them with false promises and false hopes and false fantasies can give you the power to turn away and to stop. So after this, uh, Tamar's lived with her brother Absalom. She was a desolate woman all of her life. And King David heard of this, and he was furious. This is in 2 Samuel 13. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon. Absalom is the true whole brother of Tamar. So um, he never said a word to Amnon, good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. And Absalom ordered his men. He said, listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine, I say to you, go strike him down and then kill him. And don't be afraid. I have given you this order. Be strong and brave. So this brother went and defended his sister. Um, for whatever reason, King David didn't have the ability to do this. Now, it could be because he had sinned with Bathsheba. So because of that uh, guilt or shame that was on him, he didn't have the ability to govern his household and go and correct Amnon. Because if he had of, Absalom would not have had to do that. So let's see what else happens. Later, Tamar's, Tamar's brother, Abs Absalom, avenged her and had uh, Amon killed. Amon lost his life for acting upon his sexual obsession. Tamar weeped loudly and was disgraced and lived her life with her brother. Absalom, a desolate, desolated, woman. a desolate woman. So this did not end well, did it? It no. ended in total destruction. And yet he was, he was, uh, he gave himself over to the power of this obsessing. So a wounded inner core develops a fantasy to escape reality and ends in disgrace. So it's very important that we don't indulge these types of fantasies. So possibly your sexual fantasy is so strong that you cannot control yourself. You reason and you rationalize it, it away as acceptable. After all, maybe they are the one, the one who will fulfill your fantasy. Nothing may be strong enough to stop you. The obsession is so powerful, it feels like real love. Know this, obsession is not love. If you're obsessing over somebody, I want you to back up and stop. Think this thought. What if my actions destroy the person for their entire life? What if they feel deceived, disgraced, confused, and lost emotional forever? Now play out this scenario and know the acting upon an obsession could end in hatred. 
It ends in disgrace and confusion. Surely this is enough to stop you from your selfish act. Ouch, that's a selfish act, isn't it? So the reality is fantasy surely isn't reality. Because when I play the fantasy, it ends in love. It doesn't end in rejection. It doesn't trigger past abandonment wounds because my fantasy has control. Acting upon my obsession is a choice and within my control, but I am powerless over the consequences of acting it out. Oh, wow. Acting upon my obsession is a choice and within my control, but I am powerless over the consequences of what may happen if I act it out. So there's a dissociation that happens in order for us to go act on this in a selfish manner. So let's read right here. If you have a repetitive patterns in relationships that start with intense obsession, fantasy and lust, and ends ugly with disgrace and hatred, explore with a counselor the possibility of some disassociation from reality. Often if you were raised in trauma with molestation or domestic violence, you will have developed a mild, moderate, or even severe disassociation pattern of thinking where you were, where you tend to live in an Alternative. alternative world this was a learned pattern of survival as a child but does not work well as an adult yeah so this type of pattern you're going to need counseling you're going to need support to be able to understand this to start healing that inner child because you don't need to do this as an adult this is this was a learned pattern for survival as a child so oh lord I am desperate to change, and I feel powerless to do so. Give me the instruction to heal within my own heart, that I may prepare myself for the stability of a loving, healthy relationship I desire. God, help me, or I won't survive the toxic despair of these types of relationships. Amen and amen. Amen. So if you go from one broken relationship to another, I want you to start exploring why you do that and how it starts, how you draw them in, and where you end at the, at the end of it. And we just love you. 